Welcome to another edition of Canton Bound, the NFL half of our Campus to Canton podcast here. As always, I'm Colin, and surprise, surprise, Austin weaseled his way out of yet another episode of Canton Bound. Uh, He is still on vacation. Last I heard, he was off the Amalfi Coast, but he's somewhere in the Mediterranean at this point. But that's fine. Because I am joined by Brandon Hay at HayB3, writer and cornerstone ranker for DLF, co-host of the Fantasy Football at Night podcast with the FF League winners, and somebody that I consider a friend. (laughs) Brandon, it's been a while since I've had you on. Uh, How's it going, man? Good, good. And uh, I want to just say congratulations to you for, uh, you know, getting married and everything. And uh, great to hear that all went well. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, we were catching up a little bit pre-show because I said it's been a while since we talked, man. Um, I congratulated you on Twitter for for joining DLF, but that's huge, man. It's huge. Yes, definitely. It's, nice it's, it's a nice little, uh, you know, a nice little extra income, you know, every month. And, uh, you know, to get my you know, my article's out there for um, even more eyes. So it, it's been great so far. Yeah. Love bringing the the Debbie, you know, your dynasty Debbie type of guy. Love getting Debbie right. uh, articles out there over on a big site like DLF. Get the eyes in front of it. Just grow, grow the college game. Uh, I know you're an avid C2C guy. You're, uh, you're my rival in the program in conference. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, that was, uh, that was a rough loss this year. I think you had what two wins, and one of them was my, me. <laughs> it was. It was. Uh, it's all right. I'll get you this year. But tonight, with Brandon on here, we're going to talk Debbie. Uh, we're going to talk some top players for 2024. We're going to talk about guys outside of Campus the Canton's Debbie ADP that we think could see the biggest rise. Uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, traits and, you know, is it good to be good at everything, like a jack of all trades? You want to be elite at one thing. And we're going to kind of break down some of the different traits that we look for in some Debbie guys. But before we get into that, a uh, couple housekeeping notes. Uh, the pre-orders for the CFF guide are available now. They are live over on campusthecanton.com. Go ahead and pre-order the CFF guide for $20. The guide will be in your inbox on July 1st as soon as it is released. We're talking Debbie tonight. Debbie guide still available over at the uh, campusthecanton.com. You can buy that for $20 as well. I know a lot of Debbie drafts are kicking off here. Uh, Brandon, you're in some Debbie leagues, I'm assuming, right? Yes, I actually just joined another <laughs> Debbie league that started drafting like Ooh. in the last in the last like week. Um, it's got that itch. A, yes, so it's well, they <laughs> it's a league that um, a lot of the same guys and I did one uh, like four years ago, and they keep on adding new ones. I always jump in, but this one um, it's it's separated. Okay. But the, we decided to go ahead and do the Debbie. And it's what I've been texting you about, about mm. um, the Drake May, Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, you know, uh, pickle about which one to pick. Yeah, I that's ended a up tough giving, one. Yeah, I ended up picking, <laughs> giving up some picks so I could get both of them because it's uh, two tight end and tight end premium. So pick three, pick uh, Bowers. So uh, I was able to get Harrison and May. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, always, it's always Debbie season. 
Always Devi seasons. Go over there, get your copy of the Devi guide, the freshman supplemental guide, also available over on campstn.com still. Uh, and then lastly, and most importantly, uh, if you're a fan of home field apparel, like all of us over at C2CR, uh, we are a partner of home field apparel now. We have promo code over there, promo code campus, the number two Canton for 15% off of your orders for new members over there. If you were checking out their collection, thinking about buying something, literally never been a better time. Father's Day is coming up. Uh, get one just because. Uh, I love their stuff. Mine, uh, my order that Austin and I talked about with my Penn State shirt, the National Championship 1986, that shirt is finally shipped. So I'll be getting that one very soon. I'm excited. We don't have very many national championships branded. Don't look at me like that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Got to celebrate when I can. Uh, but all right, let's get into the show here. We'll start with the top players for 2024. Uh, we'll just run through the quarterback position here. Quick, quick top five at each position, except for tight ends. Uh, only three of those. Um, Brandon, who do you have as your top five for Debbie for right now? So, yeah, so um, I think we have a lot similar. Um, you know, I think everyone would have to have uh, Caleb Williams as number one. Um, I have Drake May as number two. Um, Drew Aller as number three. I'm a little worried about Drew Aller just because of James Franklin. Because um, he's from Penn State? Well, yes. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, I, I mean, they have the pieces and everything. It's just – can they put it all together? Um, but I think, you know, he didn't play much last year, but I think, you know, he, he looks good. And um, I don't, he's probably not going to play the, that this that much this year, but I really like Dante Moore. And this is one that um, I know there's discussion back and forth. But I think if Michael Pennis Jr. has another uh, good season with Washington, I know he's an older player. But before he got hurt at Indiana that one year, um, he was looking good. And, you know, you can never tell with all the things you hear on Twitter and from scouts right. and everything. But there have been some, you know, rumblings about Penance Jr., about how some people um, say his game mirrors a little bit of uh, Tua's game and, you know, those type of things, which good or bad, might be good or bad, whichever way you feel about Tua. <laughs> but I uh, mean, hey, Tua's in the NFL. Yeah, <laughs> so that, that's my uh, top five. Gotcha. So, yeah, with Michael Penix, I mean, I think – He's got some good traits. You and Felix, big fans of him. Felix is a big fan of him over at the site. Um, I I like Penix. My biggest worry is the injuries. He's had multiple knee injuries. Is that something that worries you at the next level? Or if he can stay healthy for another year, is that not something you're quite as worried about? So how many knee injuries has he had? Two? Two, yeah. So obviously that is a worry. But, I mean, I think if – I think it's better for him to have those new injuries earlier in his career than, you know, kind of like Hendon Hooker had one, you mm -hmm. know, his senior year. Um, because you could have two straight years if he stays fully healthy. Um, I think teams would overlook that, especially with, you know, the kind of the drop-off after, you know, Williams and May. Someone's got to come for that third spot, kind of like this last year. I think it's a lot – it's very similar. Obviously, Williams has the, you know – um, better potential, I think, than the the two this year. But uh, you know, someone might jump out of nowhere, and you know, I don't have yours in my top five. I actually talked to Matt about yours too. 
I mean, he might improve a lot. I think he could still be very good. He's probably just outside my top five. But, you know, there's just some things I worry about, even with all that talent there. It's, he's kind of one of those players I have to see it on the field this year before I'll truly believe. Yeah. I mean, I get that. You know, you want to talk about injuries for Penix. Um, Quinn Ewers had that injury last year, um, you know, and there's definitely some debate as to whether that's kind of sapped him down the stretch. I don't think his deep ball looked as good as what we were expecting it to, you know, so maybe that um, injury held him back from that. But I, I do have Quinn Ewers in my top five. I have him ranked number three, just behind Williams in May. And I think with, with all the hype that was around Ewers as a prospect, getting that perfect 1.00 rating, being a quarterback in Sark's system, at Texas, it's going to have a lot of eyes on that program. He's got a lot of good weapons around him now. You know, they have uh, Xavier Worthy, Jatavian Sanders at tight end. They bring in the freshman, Jonte Cook, who we like a lot. They bring in Adonai Mitchell from Georgia out of the portal. Uh, they're not going to have B. John Robinson to lean on as quite as much in the running game. I still think they'll have a good running game, but I think this will be a little more Ewers focused this year. So if he can put together a nice season, I think he's going to be the one who slots in as that QB three in this class. I see him as a first round talent. Is that something you think he can get up to? You think he could be a first rounder? Oh yeah. I think he definitely could be a first rounder. Um, yeah. I mean, we've seen, I mean, other than the, the year two years ago where, you know, only Pickett went first round, we've seen right. most times there's going to be three quarterbacks go in the first round, uh, sometimes four. Um, so, you know, if you have that potential, you know, have some of that physical talent, they'll take a chance. As you saw with Anthony Richardson this year, he did very little at Florida, you know, to, you know, really put any faith in, but, you know, it's all, it's all about that raw talent and the potential that they think that they could make into a star in the NFL. Yeah. And I think when Ewers fits that mold too, um, with, we'll circle back to Michael Penix. Is he somebody you can see getting into the first round? I think for me, late, late first round. Okay. I say, I think for me, he's more of like an early second round guy. Again, assuming the medicals check out, that'll be the big wild card. Do you think if Hendon Hooker didn't get hurt, he's a late first rounder? Man, we heard a lot of that buzz leading up to the draft. I think he ultimately would have gone at the top of the second as well. I mean, hearing all the buzz about him, hearing buzz about Will Levis, neither one of them. I, I, I think both of them have enough warts that NFL teams wouldn't have taken them in the first, but they probably would have tried to move up to get them in the second, kind of like the Titans did with Levis. You know, with, with Hooker, it was more the age and coming from that wide open Tennessee system um, that, you know, puts, doesn't ask quarterbacks to make difficult reads. It puts them in very good positions. Um and I think it would have been a difficult adjustment. So I don't think Hooker would have been a first rounder, but there was definitely buzz. Uh, I do want to circle back, though, to Dante Moore, who you have ranked at number four. I also have a freshman in my rankings. Uh, I have Malachi Nelson at number five. I'm more of a Nelson guy. I do like Moore a lot, though. Um, have you... So I know you said that you don't think Moore... We don't, we don't, Moore might not see the field here on this one. Um have you looked much into that quarterback battle, whether, you know, you think it's going to be Garbers, whether you think it'll be Schlee, does more get a shot? What are your thoughts on him year one? Um, Yeah, it, 
I mean, it's just such um, kind of a, a toss-up with him. Um, it's hard to say. Um, I think that he he might get a shot, but I don't think he'll be the starter day one, even though he yeah. probably should be. Um, you know, I honestly, I think you, in the way the way the college football is now, it's not like the NFL where you know you could like set him halfway through the year. I mean, they're going to transfer; they don't play, so you might as well play him and let him get the you know get everything out. Um, I don't think you can necessarily ruin a quarterback in college like you can the NFL, um, you know, because they need to learn through experience anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think Dante Moore could get some starts towards the end of the year. It does sound like they're they're leaning towards Garbers, but like you said, Garbers is the type of guy, he has it two years left of eligibility, I think. So, you know, if Dante Moore starts to, to think that Garbers is going to start and then maybe starts the whole year, that would be an off-put to Moore, and Moore's probably the best quarterback recruit that Chip Kelly's probably ever gotten. You know, it's him and Marcus Mariota. Um, and then we both have Caleb Williams, Drake May, Drew Aller, uh, one, two. You have Aller at three. I have Aller at four behind yours. Um, so it seems like that's pretty consensus right now. I know you talked about Alar with, you know, being a little worried about Penn State. We haven't seen a full sample size yet. Um, is there anything with Alar that worries you besides just not seeing it yet on the field? No, I don't think so. Um, you know, obviously we haven't seen seen much, but I mean, you know, everything I've heard, you know, that he's been look, you know, he looked good in practice and everything. And, um, you know, I think I think we've seen quarterbacks in the past under Franklin that aren't are you know that hadn't been at least as touted as Aller. Um, <laughs> Definitely you <know>. not. <laughs> yeah, Sean Clifford. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, and it's sorely. Um, I think, you know, and I, my biggest thing is I just think Franklin makes bad decisions in games. Yeah. And sometimes that puts co- the quarterbacks in bad positions. Um, I think there's one, one in, in my mind was, uh, the year, um, one of the years Penn state lost to Ohio state and sorely was playing very well. And the, and on that, like that fourth down, they mm-hmm. like took the ball out of his hands and I think like ran the ball or did something, something weird. And I was like, you got to keep the ball. And, you know, especially if your quarterback's one of your best players, you got to do that. And that's the only worry. Um, I mean, that doesn't hurt his stock per se. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, it, it doesn't allow him to fully reach his potential, I think, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with that. I think uh, another concern that I have, the, the weapons at Penn State, the receivers, uh, it's not the strongest room out there. And when you have like a young quarterback like that, you want to have a veteran receivers. You want to have good receivers that can help to bring along a young quarterback. They bring in Dante Cephas, who's a guy that I like. I think he's going a little under the radar right now. Uh, I wrote about him in my honorable mentions for our Debbie guide. Um, so he has some potential, but beyond him, like it's just a lot of guys. Uh, I like, so I I think like that's Saunders. A, I like Saunders. Yeah, he – so I'll be really interested to see what he does this year because there were reports that he came in like kind of – he came in last year like out of shape, a little overweight. Mm-hmm. Um, but he sound, – it sounds like he's lost that weight. He's gotten back in you know shape. He's looking good in the spring. He's fighting for that number three wide receiver role for him. 
So I, I think that'll be interesting. Uh, and Saunders is the type of guy too. He's probably going to operate it more in like the short to intermediate area, uh, which could help out Alar, make some nice easy passes for him if he can get that role. Uh, we'll, I mean, we can we can talk Drake May, Caleb Williams here as well. I mean, I know these guys are not bulletproof, but they're kind of in the same vein that we were looking at C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young uh, at last year, where these guys are pretty much lock first rounders. Is that are you on that page as well? You thinking they're lock well, first me, rounders? Yeah. Well, let me ask you. I think Caleb Williams is a lock. Is there anything that Caleb Williams can do to not be a lock? Like, what would he have to do? <laughs> what would he have to do to not? Because, I mean, people are already talking about tanking for him. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he's. He would have I, to get I, hit by a bus. <laughs> I was about to say, I was about to say something, yeah. <laughs> something not on the field because yeah, he would, yep. he would literally have to forget how to play football, like try to play with a broken arm. You know, I, I, I really don't know. He's just so he's what the modern day quarterback, what, what you want, the mobility yeah. to be able to throw, you know, in the pocket, out of the pocket. My only worry about Drake May is I know they're going to have a different offensive system with um, right. with with the uh, Longo leaving, mm-hmm. but um, it seems like the NFL isn't too high on that. You know the North Carolina offensive playmakers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I mean he kind of, which the whole Sam Howe thing. I'm still I'm still holding on hope for Same. Howe this year. You and me both. <laughs> I, <laughs> but um, I mean I think May. Things May were, was doing last year was pretty, you know, miraculous. Seeing how their defense was horrible, running game wasn't very great, you know, and uh, they really just had Josh Downs. Yeah, and he was still making plays. So I think he's good, but I think there's more, there's less room for error for May than obviously Williams. Yeah, I would agree with that too. I mean, last year was a two-man show between Downs and May, and then. May actually did fade a little bit down the stretch as well. Once he got into like some of the tougher defenses at Clemson and NC State, uh, you know, he he faded a little bit. So I, I do have a little bit of a question with May. Like, I think he's, I think he's pretty much a lock first rounder. I don't see too many scenarios where he falls out of the first round. But is he a top five guy or is he a guy who goes you know closer to like twelve to fifteen? I think that's something that we could see play out this year on the field where he's not going to have his safety blanket in downs. He's not going to have the the Phil Longo system. That's, you know, pretty friendly offensively. It's chip Lindsay as the offensive coordinator, who is a little more conservative. Maybe he doesn't let may cut loose quite as much. So I, I'm with you. I think may is pretty much locked in, but I don't think he's quite as locked in as Stroud and Bryce young were last year. I agree. All right, we're moving into the running back position here. And, I mean, we have uh, four uh, – our top four are the exact same, just shuffled around uh, with our twos and threes. And then our number fives are different. Uh, so hit me with your top five here at the running back position. Yeah, I hate giving all this love to these uh, Penn State players, but uh, <laughs> but I, I, I admit Singleton as one. I think he showed enough last year. Um, just, you know, he, he can play, you know, between the tackles, he can be that home run threat. Um, you know, I think it helps that they have, you know, other bats that, that are, are, are good at Penn state too. Um, that, so he's not going to get worn down like, you know, some, some running bats. Um, right. then next, I was very close to putting Travion Henderson at one. 
just okay. because I just love – I think he's – it's kind of like the Jam- Jameer Gibbs thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, people think the you know the, there's a big gap between Gibbs and uh, Bijan, which I think Bijan is a way better running back. But mm-hmm. NFL-wise, and we're talking fantasy here, I think there there definitely is a situation where Gibbs outperforms Bijan with it, with his receiving ability. Same kind of thing with Travion Henderson. I think he could be a much better pro player than a college player. Um, you know, just it just gets you know um, it's just a little bit of a different game. And he was hurt a lot last year. I think people yeah. forget how good he really is. Um, Raheem Sanders really good for Arkansas. Um, I'm only worried because I don't know how the NFL thinks of him. I know like the Debbie crowd yeah. loves him, kind of like with Traylon Burks. Funny Arkansas <laughs> thing, but you know I think that's what I try to step back sometimes from the Debbie mindset because we can get in love with a college player, but we still have to look at how the NFL truly looks at them, yeah. and it's not always the same. And that's this uh, Sean Jenkins or Jenkins. I spelled that wrong on the sheet, um, but yeah, he <laughs> looks so yeah, <laughs> he looks so good um, at Ole Miss last year. I think he'll continue that. Um, and then um, this one's kind of a little bit of a sleeper, but Trey Benson at uh, Florida State. I think that offense is going to be really good. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, I didn't expect him to be the lead back necessarily there like he was last year, but I think he looked really good. So I put him at five. Yeah, I think. He's he's definitely starting to gain a little bit of steam. I know um, Corey Pereira, uh, who does the uh, Back to Devi podcast, uh, he's a big fan of Trey Benson. I like Trey Benson a lot too. You know, he had that knee injury. Um, I think that was twenty twenty one that he had the knee yeah. injury, or was, I don't remember if it was twenty twenty. I don't remember if it was before he transferred or after he transferred. But he finally was healthy last year. And we saw him like really take over the backfield. It started out Trayshawn Ward was leading the backfield and then Ward got banged up and Benson just looked way better and just ran away with that job. Now Trayshawn Ward's out of town. He doesn't have to worry about that. He's going to be the dude there this year. I do like Benson. Don't have him at five. Um, But so you think Trey Benson's a guy the NFL is going to start to like? I think so. I think running backs especially, I mean, before this last year, I mean, would we have thought some of these running backs would have dropped like Sean Tucker and like, you know, guys like that. Um, so I think there's a lot of movement, especially with running backs, you know, how they'll move it up and down. So I definitely think he has a shot, um, especially if he has a very productive year. Yeah, I, and I think he will. As you said, this should be a good offense. You know, a lot of people are predicting Florida State to, if they don't win the ACC, at least compete for it with Clemson. Uh, with North Carolina taking a little bit of a step back in terms of the rest of their roster uh, beyond Drake May. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I could see it with Benson because I'm not quite there yet. My number five is Branson Robinson running back at Georgia. Yeah, he, he came in to college as a freshman, high expectations. He's rocked up. The dude is like six foot, six one, two twenty five, two thirty. Big dude. He's fast. Uh, he is, is a load to bring down and he looked good last year when he got on the field. Uh, you know, Kendall Milton keeps getting banged up. Presumably he'll be the guy this year, but if he keeps getting hurt, I think Branson Robinson's going to be the next guy up. And when you're this big, you're this athletic. 
uh, and you're at Georgia, I think the NFL is going to like you. So I am, I'm pretty high on Branson Robinson. I have him at number five. Uh, where does Robinson, where do you have Robinson? Is he crack your top 10? Oh yeah. I, I, I like him in the top 10, man. It's just hard because Kendall Milton was a player that I was like, he's finally going to do it last year. Like he was my, my somewhat sleeper in just some guys just, they cannot stay healthy. Yeah. My only worry with uh, Robinson is to, they have so many running backs. So, like, you know, he should be right in there, but all it takes is one injury to kind of, you know, derail a player like at Georgia because, like, you know, if you miss some time, there's so many good good players behind yeah. him that he could fall to the to the back. But, I mean, he's very talented. He's just a monster. You know, he was that doing that in high school. You know, there's all those videos in high school where he looked like he was playing against, like, eight-year-olds and everything. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I, you know, that that's – um. He's definitely, he's probably, you know, maybe seven on my list. So he's not okay. too far behind. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, like I said, our, our top four were the same. I have Singleton, then I have Raheem Sanders, then Travion, then Quinshawn. I'm with you on Singleton. I mean, he he showed exactly what you want to see as a freshman. I mean, he came in, he looked really good. Uh, he was that home run threat, that explosive play threat that the offense needed. When he gets an inch of daylight, he can be gone. You know, he's he's big too. He's got that prototypical size. He started to work on his pass catching, which I think is something he does still need to work on. I was impressed t- by I was impressed by some of that last year. Yeah. Um, because I don't know if it's because a line player or everything, but they got they, you know, there are games where they got him the ball quite a bit. And, you know, for a freshman, I thought he looked pretty good. Um, yeah. you know. So, or at least good enough for like a running back like that to be able to catch passes out of the backfield. Yeah. Yeah. That was like a question I had at a, uh, with him as a freshman, that was what kept Jadon blue ahead of him um, in my freshman rankings last year. Now that doesn't look like the best of takes. Uh, We'll see (laughs) what happens with Jadon blue. Uh, I haven't totally given up, but Singleton answered that, that question a little bit last year, you know, in, in high school, um, so he actually went to high school. It's probably about like 30, 45 minutes away from where I live. Um, so local kid. And that offense doesn't ask running backs to catch the pass passes at all. So he wasn't asked to do it. And he showed last year that I think he could. So I, I think he could be a first round running back when he comes out. Um, then we we get into the, the Travion Henderson, Raheem Sanders debate here. So you have Travion at two. I have Sanders at two. I think with Sanders, I like that size a little bit better. And he came in as an athlete. You know, they were originally going to play him at receiver, so he can catch passes. Um, so I, I like Sanders. And then there's the injury concerns with Travion that have me. I still like him a lot. He's still a tier one running back. It's just in the back of my head enough that I have Sanders ahead of him. Are you worried at all about those injuries with Henderson? I mean, uh, yes, yes, I am. So this year, if he goes through a year like he did last year, obviously he'll probably – I might move him down to four or five mm-hmm. um, just based on that. But, you know, it was just one year. I mean, he had a great freshman year, way better than anyone thought, he, you know, he would. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I think Sanders is a, a very good receiver too. I just think Henderson is a little more dynamic mm-hmm. um, personally. But, um, 
but but you're right. Sanders is the better better runner, um, you know, now. So and probably for their careers, he you know since he has the bigger frame, he he'll probably be the stronger runner. Yeah, but like you said, you know Henderson has that. He's just so dynamic with the ball in his hands. Like he can just make defenders miss. Whereas you know Sanders can make a guy miss, but he's probably going to run through you a little bit more. That can really add up. Um, sorry, we'll move into the wide receivers here then. And and these are, um, you know, th- there's there's some similarities here, but we also have a couple differences here. So hit me with your uh, your top five wide receivers. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if, I mean, I've I've seen some stuff on Twitter, but I if you are being serious, I don't know how you could not put Marvin Harrison Jr. as your number one wide receiver. Um, and then uh, you know, this might be a little crazy, but I put Barry and Brown too. I okay. really like I really like him at Kentucky. I I really think there's a huge gap between one and two. Um, so I think there could be a lot of guys at two. Um Abeka Buka, I you know, I have three. I think he's really good. Um, I just wasn't, you know, willing to put him at two. Um, maybe that's just me not wanting to put two Ohio State receivers at <laughs> one and two. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I might, I might, uh, I might be guilty on that. You know, uh, <laughs> you had a Penn State quarterback in, in your top five. You had a Penn State running back inside at yeah, number so, one. Um, Ohio State receiver at one. This was was probably a tough pill to swallow putting a Buka in there too. Yeah, I it get was. It. I get it. Then four, I go Luther Burden. Um, you know, I, I really, uh, I really like him. Funny thing is. I actually think Evan Stewart's at this part of the career is better, but I don't trust anything that Texas A&M offense does. <laughs> I don't, you know, I know he still had good games last year. I just, that whole quarterback situation, I I, I just don't trust it. Um, and, you know, he's one of those players that if he can just, you know, even bad quarterback play, get in, you know, I still think he's going to the NFL, but that just worries me. And then um, I'm in love. I'm 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 full on like in love with Jonte Cook. Like in every Debbie C2C draft, anything, I will overdraft him by like four rounds if I have to. Okay. You know, I just think, I think, I just think he is so good. I think too, uh, Xavier Worthy. You know, it. He's been. You know, he played really well in his first two seasons, but he does have drop problems sometimes. Mm-hmm. And if he continues that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Jonte Cook kind of jumps in there get some of those those targets possibly so but okay. i i really like him okay so you think there jonte cook uh could t- overtake xavier worthy as the number one wide receiver there by the end of the year what what odds would you put on that oh all right i guess that's my hot take uh, <laughs> one of my hot takes i have another hot take later um i Ooh. think i even put on the on the sheet hot take but uh okay, okay. uh let's see oh i'll go i i'll go like 40%. Okay. That's that's pre- that's that's pretty confident. That's pretty confident. Jonte Cook is a true freshman. Xavier Worthy has had two very good seasons. Uh he's the veteran there. But that's 40% is pretty confident. Okay. You and uh you and Austin both uh are, are on the Jonte Cook train. Oh, no, I am I'm as ag- well. I'm agreeing I'm agreeing with Austin. Uh, I might need to retract my statement. <laughs> yeah. I hey, I don't blame you. I it it you talked about tough pills to swallow. Agreeing with Austin is, is always a tough pill to swallow. Um, so I my top five, I have uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. at number one. And I agree with you. I think that there's a pretty big gap between one and the rest of them. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is a 
what we over at the site call a tier zero prospect where it is just a far and away slam dunk. Um, you know, this is a type of prospect that I don't want to say the word generational, but this is Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best wide receiver in, in the last three classes. Uh, I think, you know, since does, Jamar he go, no, does he go number two? Do you think? And I, it's been a while since we've seen a receiver go that high. I think there is potential that he could go number two, but I think he's going to be a top five pick. Let me ask you this. I, you know, he obviously this last year was great. He's, mm-hmm. you know, plays. If he doesn't have that Marvin Harrison name, does, is he as high, high, you know, I know he's going to be highly thought of anyway, mm-hmm. but does that bump it up a little bit? Do you think? I think that, there is the, the name value does carry some weight and I think it will carry some weight with the NFL. Uh, but I think even if he was named, you know, Marvin Smith, I think he would still be a tier zero prospect. I mean, he just looks so good out there. He did it at Ohio state, did it as a freshman. I mean, that bowl game that he had as a freshman was phenomenal phenomenal year last year and Ohio state wide receivers in general have just been on fire lately. I mean, how many in a row has it been that they've had go in the first round? Um, it's, it's ridiculous. The, the, uh, wide receiver. he's going to be the best one. Yeah. And, and, and he's, he's got that prototypical alpha size. He plays like an alpha. He's got that my ball mentality. Uh, he's probably not quite as dynamic as you would want with the ball in your hands, but it's not like, it's not like he's a, uh, a guy who just catches it and falls over. He has a little bit more to his game there. Like I, I think even if he was named Marvin Smith, like he would be a top 10 pick, maybe not top five. No, I agree. Um, I would say he, that what you were just speaking of, I think he's sneaky in that aspect. Like you don't like, he's not like one to just like totally blow by, you know, or shake yeah, anyone, but Yeah. And his footwork is just amazing. There's like that yeah. one play that they always do last year where he like his body shouldn't even be able to move that way. Contort where, you know, mm-hmm. his, his footwork and everything. And um, much as, you know, hate to say it. I mean, Brian Hartline can get him in there and coach, <laughs> coach him up, send him yep. to the NFL. I mean, honestly, why would, why would you go? If, if you think you can play at Ohio state, like, get into the top three receivers, you know, in, in at least just one year, why wouldn't you go there? Like yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of that type, kind of like Georgia with the running backs, you know, and, and the, those kind of things, you know, Lincoln, wherever Lincoln Riley is and quarterbacks, yep. you know, there's certain coaches and or places where you just know their success and you're going to make it to the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the track record speaks for itself, uh, which is why I do have a Mecca at number two. As well, I mean, I actually, as freshman, I had a Mecca Egbuka ranked as my number one wide receiver in the class. Um, you know, I, he's my number two wide receiver in college right now. So by default, he's the number two wide receiver in the class with Marvin Harrison Jr. ahead of him. I mean, we saw what we saw out of Marvin Harrison Jr. It's hard to deny that. But I think a Mecca Egbuka is really good in his own right, too. I think he offers a little bit different than what Harrison jr. Does he offers some inside outside versatility? He has that run after the catch ability. You know, he's not as 
Um, he's not the prototypical, like traditional X like Marvin Harrison Jr. is, but I think Emeka Buka is a little bit more in that modern wide receiver role that we've been seeing. These guys who can play in a number of different positions, being deployed in a number of different ways. So I think those two are going to both have phenomenal years at, at Ohio State this year. And, and both of them, I think, are going to be first-round picks next year. But he's probably going to be more near middle to the back end of the first round, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think middle. Um, like I said, I think he'll be the second wide receiver off the board. So Marvin Harrison Jr. goes as a top five pick. If there's a wide receiver needy team, maybe they reach on him a little bit. But I think he's probably closer to that 12 to 15 range. No, I agree. Uh, then I have Luther Burden at three, who you have at four. Uh, and then here we have the differences, where I have Antonio Williams, wide receiver from Clemson, and Evan Stewart, wide receiver out of Texas A&M. Uh, we'll start with Evan Stewart. I mean, you talked about how you don't trust Texas A&M, and I agree with you. I Jimbo Fisher has not really shown the ability to develop wide receiver talent. He, he's pretty good with running backs, putting running backs into the NFL. He has a strong track record there. Quarterbacks, wide receivers, not quite as strong. Wide receivers, definitely not as strong. Um, but I think Evan Stewart's the type of guy who can kind of transcend that. Very talented. I mean, he is really shifty with the ball in his hands. And he showed better you know, intermediate work last year than what I was expecting, especially out of a true freshman. I mean, he came in. And he was their best wide receiver on the field immediately. I think we're going to see that again this year. And I think the NFL is going to like his skill set and his athleticism. No, I agree. I think he's a, I think he's uh better than Luther Burden technically, you know, route running and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get into this when we talk about like the skill set. I'll mention this part too, mm-hmm. but when you're kind of locked or you can't reach a higher ceiling just because, Either you know the offense holds you back, the quarterback, you don't trust the coaching staff or whatever. Um, I just wonder how much that holds you back in the NFL's eyes, you know, mm-hmm. because I mean there's only so you know, there's only so many times you could be like see someone and be like, Oh, they're wide open, but you didn't get the ball. But I mean, if they don't actually have that production, how much of a knock is that? And let me just tell you, I, I really do like Evan Stewart, and Evan Stewart's probably like just outside, kind of like Branson Robinson was, um, just outside. It's not that I don't like him. It's just uh, the – I don't know how Jimbo put – I don't know how Jimbo can honestly, like, say the things he does and how they performed <laughs> last year. Yeah. And he keeps on talking about, you know, uh, like how does he not have a quarter, you know, a quarterback? I mean, his best quarterback has been Kellen Mond. Yeah. And that's Well, Jameis. Jameis, like – Well, I meant at, te- I meant at like, Texas A&M. Yeah. Kellen yeah, Bond's yeah. the best quarterback he's had in like the last decade. Yeah, which is crazy. And, you know, because most people kind of thought that was his thing. You know, he was this offensive guru, guru you know, that got the job at Florida State, you know, after Bobby Bowden. But he just has not, you know, he, like you said, running backs, his offenses have been primarily like run the ball and just, you know, a little bit of play action, you know, kind of game manager at quarterback. And, you know, that's not what we thought – you know, that's not what they did with Jameis. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, it's, I, I don't understand how uh, Jimbo can, you know, just say some of the things that he says about that offense with, and not utilize Evan Stewart um, to, to his fullest. So that is a concern of mine, but I think he's just going to be talented enough that the NFL might not care. Uh, I think right, that's we'll move- fair. 
we'll move into tight ends here. Um, we both have Brock Bowers number one with a bullet. I think that is pretty obvious. It sounds like Brock Bowers is almost a lock to be an NFL first round tight end based on all the buzz we're hearing. He's been phenomenally productive the last two years. Size really the biggest question mark with him, but with the way that the game is shifting towards just utilizing mismatch players, I think they're going to take him in the first. So the discussion really starts at number two. Um, who do you have at two and three for your to round out your top t- uh, three tight ends? Yeah, I have. J- J- is it? I think it's Jaheim Bell. Yeah. Um, is that South Carolina is moving to Florida State? I think they're going. You know, athletic. He fits that mold that athletic tight end. Um, kind of in the same sense as like an Isaiah Likely, and we've seen, you know, he's done well in the NFL. Um, I think he will flourish in that um, Florida State offense. And, um, yeah, I think he's going to do really well. And um, I guess this was my way of getting a, a Michigan player on my list because Eric Hall, <laughs> he's no longer uh, a Michigan player. He transferred to Iowa, and he did not have some kind words when he exited Michigan. But it's Iowa, uh, you know, if there's one thing I was going to do is go throw throw to the tight ends. They they refused to change their offense coordinator. Um, they brought in Caden McNamara at Michigan. Him and Eric Hall are friends. Um, I could say Mac, McNamara throw the ball to Eric Hall like eight times a game. Um, and I think he was not heavily involved at in Michigan, but when he did make uh, catches, he was very good at blocking. He's very physical, athletic tight end. And I think he's one of those. It's weird. Um, Michigan's tight ends get way overdrafted, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But they just like how they're able to block. I guess that, you know, you know, just fitting that hardball scheme. Um, you know, like Shoemaker, I'd never imagined he was going to get drafted this high. Yeah. You know, and, you know, a lot of people like them. And even though they don't have the high production, um, they like that skill set. So if you kind of take that skill set and put some more production, like at an Iowa, um, you know, like Sam Laporta, I mean, I don't think anyone thought he would, you know, no. kind of be drafted where he was before the dra- drafted before last year. Um, so you kind of sometimes you just have to look at the track record at at, at co- colleges and what they can produce, and that's kind of where I'm going with that. And um, you know, I really like you know don't want to give up yours, but I really like Oscar Delp also. Mm-hmm. But I think all the attention goes to Bowers, so you know it's kind of just. Delp just waiting one more year and then he'll probably break out, you know, to his own right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair with Delp. Um, with, with Eric all, I was listening to the uh, summer school series with Bud Elliott over on the cover three podcast. And they were just talking Iowa. I don't, I think it was, it was last week maybe, uh, but it was very recently. And I was listening to that. And, and the guy that they had on was saying that they could, he could see a, uh, Hawk, TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant type of uh, split between Eric All and Luke Lachey, the other tight end that they have there, with Eric All playing more of the uh, Noah Fant role. So both of those guys were first-round tight ends. I was a tight end factory. Uh, I could see it with All. I'm not quite that high on him. He's one of those guys I just I need to see it on the field first. Are you sure it's not the game-winning touchdown he caught against Penn State two years ago? Um, I probably blocked that out. Uh, okay, that, I was just that's yeah. I was just wondering. I mean, there's a little bit of inherent bias there. <laughs> it, that knocks him down a couple spots in my ranking automatically. Anytime you, you know, a Michigan player is on there, 
gotta knock him down a little bit. Especially it's funny, it's funny you talked about um their other tight end Lachey, because he was one of the ones I looked at too before I remembered Eric Hall was on the team mm-hmm. too. I kind of just was like, Well, who is Iowa's tight end? <laughs> That's never like, a bad oh, yeah. bet. Never a bad bet. Um, I also have a question with Jaheim Bell, similarly to Bowers with the size. Now, Bowers is a little bit bigger than Bell. Bell, last time I saw, uh, listed at 232 on South Carolina's website. Florida State doesn't have him listed with a weight. Uh, are you worried at all about Jaheim Bell's size and how that could translate to the NFL? Yes, to an extent. Um, but sometimes I kind of wonder, NFL-wise now, if they look more at the athleticism, you know, because mm-hmm. we looked at, you know, my, Michael Mayer this last year, use your prototypical traditional tight end, and you know, to an extent he got kind of knocked for not, you know, having that great athleticism. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, um, whereas some of the other guys that got picked, they still had size. So, but I think we've seen tight ends like, you know, like that. Um, how big was Kyle Pitts when he got drafted? Kyle Pitts, I don't remember what his weight was. His height, I think he was like six five or okay, something that, like that. that six that six. Helps, yeah. yeah, Bell, I think is like six two, six three. Mm, um, okay, but I could. I mean, I don't think Jaheim Bell is going to be a first rounder. But I could mm-hmm. definitely see him, you know, second, early third. I think tight end wise, that that's you know plenty good for draft capital. Yeah, and and like you said, when you're looking for fantasy, you know, you don't necessarily want the guy who can block all the time, you want the guy who's going to catch because that's how you get points. And I think Jaheim Bell is more of that like mismatch type of a guy that, that, you know, we've been starting to see more often uh, in the tight ends, you know, Dalton Kincaid is a little bit smaller. You know, that was one of the issues that people had with him. Now you think he's a little bit bigger than, than Bell is, but still, you know, he was the only first round tight end this year. Uh, my, my thing with Bell, I think he's like a, a Johnny Smith type of a guy where they can use him in a variety of different ways. I, I would agree with that. It all it, For those type of players, it all depends on who drafts them, what system they're in, ones yeah. that can use. We've seen um, you know, with Johnny, you know, uh, when he was with Tennessee, they used him right. When he was with New England, they couldn't figure out how to use him, which yeah. shocked me. But, um, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, so, you know. You know, those type of players, they just have to fall into a place that can use them. Kind of like, you know, with Isaiah Likely, I didn't think he would have any impact his first year, and he went with the Ravens, and they were mm-hmm. able to move him around. So, yeah. um, you know, it all depends on on that scheme and fit. Yeah, scheme definitely very important for tight ends. Um, all right, so we talked about our top guys. Now we'll talk one guy uh, or two or three guys um, – you know, one guy kind of at each position that we think could see the biggest rise that are outside the top 10 of our camps to Canton Devi ADP. Um, I'll just run through the names real quick. So we'll start at the quarterback position. Uh, we got Caleb Williams, Drake May, Quinn Ewers, Drew Alar, Malachi Nelson, Dante Moore, Cade Klubnick, Arch Manning, Devin Brown, Connor Wigman. Round out the top 10. I didn't list the quarterback here. You did. Who's the quarterback that you have right now outside the top 10 that you think could uh, get into the top 10 here? Oh, maybe I misunderstood. I just thought it uh, could be a huge or jump. biggest I rise. Biggest yeah, rise yeah, yeah, is what yeah, I yeah. had on here. So um, it is going to be a big rise because I, I don't know where he is, but he's probably pretty low. 
I cannot quit Jeff Sims, you know, the quarterback from, that went from Georgia Tech. <laughs> you and Alfred. You and Alfred. To, to, to Nebraska. <laughs> he's from Jacksonville. Um, he's shown, you know, flashes. They they say they love him at Nebraska. I think if he can, you know, that Georgia Tech situation wasn't great. Um, I mean, I don't know how great the Nebraska situation is, but I do trust Matt Rule in college. Yeah. Um, so if they can get it all together, he has, you know, good size, that athletic ability, he has a good arm, sometimes struggles with accuracy. But if they could kind of like get that all together, I could I could see not the rise of an Anthony Richardson, but I could see a rise where he could get, you know, late day two capital um, eventually. Um, if he can kind of put it all together there and, you know, have a good season at Nebraska. Um, I think it, I think Nebraska has talent. And I just don't think coaching wise they ever kind of put it together. Mm-hmm. So I think he's one that um, this is kind of one that was like really far. But yeah, it's get a deep like, cut. It's a deep, but like he could get up there, you know, uh, maybe eventually to one top 20, 25 ish. So um, that that's the quarterback for me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think he, you're right. He's, he's down there right now. He was a guy that people thought of pretty highly as a freshman. He hasn't put it together at Georgia tech, but I, I do like Matt rule in college. He has some NFL connections too. you know, those didn't go away. I think the thing with Jeff Sims, he could, I think his best case scenario in my mind is getting like Malik Willis type draft capital. Um, I don't think he's going to get that same hype that Willis had coming out, but getting that like third round developmental, he's a guy that they take and they think, you know, we can, we like the tools here. We like the arm. We like the mobility. Can we build something around it and put something together? I think that's what I see his his like ceiling being, and then eventually getting a shot. Now, we, we'll see what happens with Willis since they, since they took Levis the year after. But, uh, you know, if, if a team doesn't draft a quarterback right after him, he maybe he gets a shot. He's the, like, kind of example for me is where if you have him in Debbie or maybe you draft him late, you know, if you're drafting Debbie this year, and say at Nebraska, he starts to have a great year, you know, or maybe he has a great year and he's getting all this trap buzz. That's when those are the type of players that I don't wait. I try to trade them and get like the extra value, kind of like um, NFL. If you look at it NFL wise, like a Damian Pierce, like yeah, you know, kind you know, uh, kind of like what Chase Brown this year. What I said, you know, on another podcast was. I don't think he's going to be a starter for eight years, but if he is a starter for this year and starts out like a good eight games, that's when you try to un- unload him as quickly as possible to recoup, you know, extra value because those type of players just aren't going to have, you know, that longevity. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Um, all right. Well, at the running back position, uh, like I said, I didn't, I didn't have a tight uh, quarterback. If you put a gun to my head, I would probably say Jackson dart, but um because I don't think he was quite as bad last year as what people think, but I've talked about Jackson Dart enough that the people don't want to. He's your guy. Anymore. He's your guy. He is. Can't quit him. Like you can't quit <laughs> Jeff Sims. <laughs> um, running back position. Uh, we got the top 10 on our campus to Canton ADP, Travion Henderson, Raheem Sanders, Nick Singleton, Quinshawn Judkins, Braylon Allen, Will Shipley, Branson Robinson, Cedric Baxter Jr., Donovan Edwards and Justice Haynes. We each picked a running back here. Who's the running back that you could see having the biggest rise? Yeah, I have Marshawn Lloyd. 
Um, he kind of came back from the dead last year, showed some good things, especially through receiving the ball. Um, goes to USC. I know, you know, there's some other running backs there, but I think, you know, he doesn't have to be a full-time running back in that offense. Just show some of his traits, show that he's staying healthy. And I could see him, um, you know, kind of, you know, jumping up some, uh, some draft boards, you know, who knows? I mean, he was such so highly touted coming out before all the injuries. If he has a good year, he could definitely jump up. You know, I don't think first round status, but maybe, you know, um, somewhere in the second round, which would be a huge uh, win for anyone that had Marshawn Lloyd. I mean, you're speaking my language here, man. I'm uh, Marshawn Lloyd's one of my guys too, that I, I think could have a nice rise this year. And, and by all accounts, it sounds like he is leading that room at USC as well. Getting the eyes on him at USC, if he can put another year between him and that gruesome knee injury that he had as a freshman, look good. I think he could see a nice rise too. So you're, like I said, you're talking my language there with Marshawn Lloyd. <laughs> uh, my guy, so there's two freshmen in here. Uh, we have Cedric Baxter Jr. at Texas, Justice Haynes at Alabama, both those guys in the top 10. Uh, my guy's also a freshman. Uh, it's Cameron Selden, the running back going to Tennessee. And I think he could have the biggest rise for a couple of different reasons. The first and, and the biggest one is he's like 215, 220, and is clocked at over 22 miles per hour uh, from our recruiting team over at campusgn.com. So big guy, runs fast, and in high school he was used in a variety of different ways. I mean, he was the best player on the field at all times. He was the most athletic player on the field at all times. It was pretty low level of competition, but he was used as a running back, as a wide receiver, as a quarterback, returning kicks. Like he was used all over the field. It gives him a very versatile skill set. A skill set that's, you know, and now that he's moved into the running back, it's a skill set you're kind of looking at with like an Antonio Gibson, a Raheem Sanders. Like those are the types of guys that he can be. Now he is very raw. He having that versatile skill set being used in such a variety of ways. He doesn't really have the refinement at any one position that you would want to see. So he's going to have to put it together as a running back, but Tennessee used him a lot in the spring game. Now he was with the second team, but that second team offense used him heavily throughout the first drive. They used him in the screen game. They used him in the, like running. Um, they had him go out on some swing passes. Like they used him heavily. So I think they like him a lot at Tennessee. He's got a lot to put together, but when you're that big, that fast, you can catch the ball like that. Like that's the type of guy that I think could have like a meteoric rise if he can put it all together. Uh, into the wide receiver position uh, and the top 10 that we have here. Surprise, surprise, Marvin Harrison, Jr., Emeka Egbuka, Luther Burden, um, Evan Stewart. We also have Xavier Worthy, Zachariah Branch, wide receiver going to USC, your guy, Barry and Brown at Kentucky, Antonio Williams, Clemson, Troy Franklin from Oregon and Malik neighbors from LSU rounds out the top 10. Uh, who's the wide receiver? Not in that list that you think could have the biggest rise? I put uh, Keon Coleman. You know, he uh, was at Michigan State, transferred to Florida State. Um, last year, um, after a freshman year where he didn't get the ball very much, um, he had a pretty good year. I believe it was around 800 yards, uh, seven or eight touchdowns on a bad offense. And I think, um, funny thing, I was telling you before the show, for DLF, I'm writing a buy, sell, hold um, article, and he mm -hmm. is my buy. 
Um, and okay. you know, I, I took uh, my chance to kind of take a dig at Michigan State in the article uh, about <laughs> how um, I think they found that you know they really relied on Walker, um, might have given Mel Tucker that that um, extension too early, and he kind of saw you know the writing on the wall wanted to go somewhere. And I think they kind of saw too, like you, know, you look at Jaden Reed. If Jaden Reed was on a better offense, who knows? He might have been able to get into the first round. So maybe Keon Coleman feels the same way. Talked about Florida State earlier. Um, I know you're not as high on Travis, but I think you know he could be a riser also. I think with that off, you know, um, they only had one receiver of above 500 yards last year, and I think he could jump in and you know get over a thousand yards there and um, do some really great things uh, down the field in that offense. Could be able to help stretch the field. So he was the one I picked out there. Yeah, I, I like Keon Coleman. I like him. Um a little bit better at Florida state as well. Like the quarterback play, I'm not the biggest fan of Travis, um, at least in terms of, you know, as a passer, as, as an NFL prospect, but he's a very good college quarterback and he's going to be better than whatever they have at Michigan state this year. Noah Kim or Kate and or if they get the true freshman, Sam Levitt involved, like I, I don't have high hopes for, for Michigan state there. So I think it was good that Coleman got out of Dodge, uh, went to Florida state and he has that prototypical alpha size that I was talking about before. He also has that basketball background. Like he played on Michigan state's basketball team a little bit. I barely saw the floor, but he saw a little bit. So he has that jump ball, you know, he's got very good ball skills too. So I do like Keon Coleman. Uh, my guy is Devontae Walker, the Kent state transfer to uh, North Carolina. And we talked about when we were, when we were running through our quarterbacks, we talked about how Drake may is losing his guy, Josh downs. He's going to be looking for a new guy. I think that's going to be Devontae Walker. They've been raving about him all spring. Uh, he's got prototypical size. He's like six, two, six, three. Um, he's like just, I think he's around 200 pounds. I don't have it pulled up, uh, but he's athletic as well. Very fast. Uh, he's, he's a little raw as a receiver. I think he needs to refine his route running, but when you're that big, fast, connected to a quarterback like Drake May, I think he's going to put up some big stats this year because they don't really have anybody else. They also lost their second leading receiver from last year in Antoine Green. I think Devontae Walker is a guy who's going to be looking at a big rise this year. Uh, I think he just has to put it together a little bit more technically, and and he could we could be talking about him as a potential first-round guy. All right, tight ends. Neither of us listed a tight end. I don't really care that much about tight ends. Do you? No, no, all right. not at all. <laughs> yeah, not a tight end podcast here. Um, I, I I got all tight ended out early in the week when I was talking about <laughs> Chris Moxley, and he's more of a tight end guy, so I had to bring something there. But not as worried about the tight ends. So we'll move into our traits talk, and that's one thing with Devi. You have to analyze traits and project that to the NFL level. There's a lot of guys that we see that have one skill set where they, the one skill that they hang their hat on. They got that, they have that speed, you know, a Devin Achain. Well, I think he was better between the tackles than people give him credit for. Uh, or you also have some guys who are just kind of very good at everything and not elite at anything. So when you're looking at players, you're analyzing the, their traits, looking at how they project to the NFL. Are you somebody who likes to see one elite trait? Or do you like to see somebody who's got a more well-rounded skill set? I think 
Well, I think the biggest thing is if you're saying that one elite trait, does that mean to me when you truly say someone has that elite trait and you're saying that, that means they're not very good at the other things. If in that, in that case, you know, it's just hard to hang your hat on that one thing. Right. And um, I think if, if someone's well-rounded in a lot of areas, I think an NFL team will like that because, you know, um, we've seen, you know, NFL teams, they really like, you know, those running backs that can, uh, you know, that can block, you know, that are able to, you know, have good vision. And really, I, I brought this up to you, you know, this this topic, uh, me and Matt talking on Twitter, um, kind of, you know, he said he was dropping Blake Corum quite a bit in his rankings. And, you know, I was asking why was it the injury status and all, all that. He just said that he thinks he's good, not great. And, you know, talking about all this other other things. I think I don't necessarily know if Corum is elite in anything, but I think he's really good in a lot of aspects. I think he has really good speed. I think he has very good vision. I think, like you said, with a chain, I think he's way better between the tackles and stronger than people give him credit for. Obviously, um, you know, he doesn't have the hugest frame, but like you said, he's, you know, kind of stocky, you know, yeah. and all of that. And um, so I guess it just kind of, just kind of depends. Um, it seems like the NFL kind of changes their mind on this part. Cause sometimes they fall in love with a guy like, like a Jameer Gibbs, those those type of players that have that elite, you know, kind of receiving skills, but doesn't necessarily excel, you know, um, necessarily between the tackles. Even though I think he doesn't get enough credit for his running ability either, um, I think it's better than some people give him credit for. Um, what are what are your thoughts, or does it just kind of depend on what the elite trait is for the for a player? Yeah, I think you said it really well at the beginning there, where it kind of depends on, you know, they have the one elite trait, but what are the rest of their skills look like? Are they an Anthony Schwartz where they're only fast? That's all they have. And, you know, um, a guy kind of like Keaton Mitchell, uh, the running back from East Carolina this past year, I think he's okay as a runner, but his big thing was his elite speed. He could catch some passes as well. And we saw him go undrafted. Uh, you know, coming from East Carolina, undersized guy, that didn't help either. So, yes, he had that one elite trait in his speed, but the other traits that he had and the other skills that he had were not up to uh, NFL minimum. I think you have to hit an NFL minimum at certain things, and, and Austin talks about it as like kind of the Joe Burrow effect with the arm talent, with the arm strength. Uh, that's like an NFL minimum. If you don't hit whatever that NFL minimum is for whatever the trait is, I don't think they're going to care that much. You kind of have to check off these boxes. And then if you have that one elite trait, that one calling card that you can hang your hat on, I think that's really important. But I also, I am more with you of the mindset where I want my player to be more versatile. I want them to be good at a lot of different things. I want them to have a round, well-rounded skill set. You know, when my favorite receivers are the guys like Justin Jefferson, who can play inside, can play outside. They can win deep downfield. They can be used in the short game. You know, uh, Emeka Egbuka, kind of a similar player like that. I really like um, Jalen McMillan. I think he has a similar thing where he can be used inside and outside. You know, so I think I like guys who are versatile. And to be versatile, you do have to have that good at everything type of a skill set. So I do lean more towards the well-rounded skill set rather than just the one elite trait. 
And this was kind of brought up too with Corum, with me, with Matt. And I think Matt's been saying this for a while. He said that he one of the reasons he kind of downgrades Corum is that Michigan's offensive line is so good. Mm-hmm. And um, it is. But then I kind of rebutted that at least when I brought up um, Charbonnet. Because I think UCLA, I think Chip Kelly's offenses open big lanes. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't people keep on telling me that Charbonnet has great vision. I don't think he has great vision. I think I think if you give him holes, you know, he can he can make a fairly quick decision. I think if he gets going straight line, he can be really good. But when you're but when you're asking him to go more laterally or make too many cuts, um, he's kind of like in the same thing that you know Leonard Fournette's been in the NFL. He just runs into people. He just runs up the back of people. And I think sometimes um, I don't know if NFL teams care as much about vision because they probably think, hey, we can teach them like that as long as they have the other things, as long as they you know they have the speed, the contact balance, you know those can break tackles, hold on to the ball. Um, I think it's interesting. For every position, I feel like there's a trait where NFL teams are like, hey, we can fix that. Yeah, I think with the vision thing, I think a lot of it's also scheme-based. You know, I mean, it depends on are you a zone-blocking scheme or are you a man-blocking scheme. If you're somebody in a zone-blocking scheme, that doesn't matter quite as much. Um, you know, there's there's very specific lanes and holes that you want the guy to run through. And, you know, so you don't care quite as much if they can identify which hole is going to be the open hole because they're, they know exactly which one they're supposed to be going to versus the man-blocking scheme. So I think that that definitely plays a role in it too. Is this is the scheme that they're going to be going into? So if, if you want to say that Michigan's offensive line, Michigan's running scheme does Corum a lot of favors, I would agree with you there. But at the same time, Corum also has to identify those holes. He has to hit the holes. He has, you know, he can run in between the tackles well. He has a well-rounded skill set. He can catch passes. Is he going to be a Jameer Gibbs like a weapon in the passing game? No but he's not the type of guy you need to take off the field on third downs. You know, so you don't have to telegraph what you're going to do when he's out there. And I think another thing with Corum too is the Michigan name is going to is going to matter. We've seen him in the playoffs the one year he would have been in the playoffs last year had he not been hurt. Sounds like he's fully recovered from that meniscus injury. He's going to be back. Uh they're expecting him back up to full speed by fall camp. I think he's going to lead this Michigan team on the ground again and he was kind of getting like some low rumblings of Heisman buzz last year. Donovan Edwards is going to be the big obstacle in the way. So it's going to depend on what they do with Edwards. But I think Coram's going to have a really nice year this year. Michigan has a really good year too. He's got a lot of eyes on him. I think the NFL is going to like him. He's like you said, he's like five, eight. I think he's like 200, 205. So he looks small and light, but he's very compact frame. So I, I'm not worried about his size either. So I, I do like Corum. I'm one of the higher ones over at the site on, on Blake Corum. I think I think what um, – I'm guessing he'll probably go to one of the senior bowl type things, and I think that and the combine yeah. are going to be huge for him because like you were saying about um, you know Donovan Edwards, I think the biggest thing that hurts Corum with Donovan Edwards is – Donovan Edwards' best traits are receiving. I think he can run wide receiver routes. They run a lot of fades with him, you know, mm-hmm. back shoulder throws. So he doesn't get to show his receiving ability as much because 
they bring Edwards in a lot for that. So I think in those type of prepper, you know, um, the combine and everything, showing his skill set there is going to be huge for him because I don't know how many passes he's going to necessarily catch just because, um, you know, they have a lot of wide receivers and, and, and Edwards is going to catch quite a few passes. Yeah, I mean, Edwards is definitely the pass catching back there. Like that's his, you know, you want to talk about elite trait uh, versus all around skill set. I mean, I think Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards really embody this discussion because Donovan Edwards is not a good rusher in between the tackles. Like, I, I don't think he's very good running in between the tackles at this point. He's, he, you would talk about vision. He has issues, but he is a very good pass catcher and he has that home run threat. So he's got that, you know, very good speed. Whereas Blake Corum, he's got good speed, but he's not going to outrun a ton of defenders. You know, he can break off, you know, some 20 yard carries, but he's not going to break off a 40, 50 yard run. Um, whereas Edwards can and has done that. Uh, he did that against Penn State. <laughs> I watched that all game. So I, I think that these two are really embody that discussion here. And, and you know, you talk about Corum's receiving ability. He had he has 40 catches in his career. So, you know, he, in 2021, he had 24 catches. So it's not like he's a slouch in that regard. He's just not, like I said, a weapon. So I, I do think the combine is going to be really big for Blake Corum and for where the NFL will end up taking him. Thank you so much for what you just said. I've had plenty of arguments with people about <laughs> Donovan Edwards, and they tell me, you know, because he had the, the huge game against, you know, Ohio State, Penn State, you know, down the down near the end, they're like, you know, well, he doesn't need good vision. Look what he's doing. I was like, I've seen it plenty of times. He's that guy that he has kind of – all right, I'm going to preface this. Thing. I'm not calling him Barry Sanders. I'm not <laughs> calling him Barry, but he has that kind of Barry Sanders type stat line where he'll have like 10 carries for like 30 yards and then an 80 yard run. And then, you know, you look and he's got like 20 carries for like 130 yards. And you're, if you didn't watch the game, you'll say he has all that. But yeah, he does. Uh, Blake Horm is way better at setting up blocks and then cutting, you know, inside or outside. And um, Donovan Edwards kind of, if you, block it well then yeah he's gonna but maybe he'll make that next step and it just came out that he was playing with some huge injury this year um after the hawaii game so you know i know he had you know, the hit the broken hand and everything he's another one that's injured it seems like all the time but and the funny thing is a lot of people are saying that edwards is going to get drafted higher so in that case then it is the elite skill over yep. the well-rounded so you know we'll kind of you're right that, you know, I, I'm, I think Edwards has already said he's leaving after this year. So, oh, um, interesting. so he kind of said, you know, he was here for three years and go to the NFL. So unless something crazy happens, right. I think um, he plans on doing that. So it, this will be a very good case study on, you know, the elite trait or, you know, the well-rounded player, like you were saying earlier. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely gonna be something we'll have to keep an eye on. I didn't, I mean, it, it makes sense that Donovan Edwards would leave after this year. He is going to be draft eligible. Um, you know, and I think Michigan is probably going to see a step back after McCarthy leaves. Um, so, you know, may as well capitalize on it when you can, but yeah, that's, that's going to be really interesting to watch how the NFL values quorum versus Edwards. It, it really would not surprise me if Edwards ends up getting drafted a little bit higher, but quorum ultimately ends up having the better career Definitely. in the NFL. Um, all right. Well, that is going to do it for us tonight. Brandon, thank you so much for filling in 
Uh, Austin away again. Surprise, surprise. Mm -hmm. So I may keep your number on speed dial uh, if Casey decides to ghost me again. So I appreciate you hopping on. I really enjoyed this discussion. I I liked uh, talking a little bit of Debbie here with you. Yeah, definitely. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. uh, So for anybody who may not be familiar, uh, Brandon Hay at HayB3 on Twitter, writer and cornerstone ranker for DLF, co-host of the Fantasy Football at Night podcast with the FF League winners. You mentioned that Dynasty buy, hold, sell or Devi buy, hold, sell article. Uh, do you have a, a date on when you might be dropping that one? Yeah, it should be dropping this Friday and this this week it's a uh, receiver. So probably next week. I guess if I have to, I'll write on tight ends and then we'll kind of, <laughs> I think that the, the thought is we'll just keep on cycling through, you know, then we'll start back at quarterbacks and everything. And also, I don't know if it dropped today or tomorrow, but I had a um, after draft profile on Josh Downs. And then later this okay. month, I have one on Tanks Bigsby, the newest Jacksonville Jaguar. So uh, I made sure to pick him. Um, <laughs> everyone's saying that he's looking really good in camp. So um, that'll be dropping later, later this month. Nice. And all that's over at DLF, right? Yes, that is. Um, you know, uh, usually when it, whenever it gets released, I try to post something on my, um, you know, on my Twitter handle and then um, uh, adding uh, DLF so that, you know, they can retweet it and everything. But um, just make sure to follow me, you know, and if you have any uh, Debbie questions, you know, I'm open for any uh, conversations. There's been people before that have messaged me about, you know, their drafts, you know, what I thought about a player. And I'm always there to answer any of those questions. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, you got the, the buy, hold, sell series coming out. You said the wide receivers are dropping this week. Did you drop the quarterbacks yet, or is that going to be the last one? Um, well, the person that uh, started the series did quarterbacks and running backs. So okay. um, I'll be doing wide receivers, and like tight I said, end. I guess I'll do tight ends. <laughs> and then uh, then I'll be running back around uh, quarterbacks, which um, – you know, I think quarterbacks are pretty wide open, especially yeah. in the Debbie landscape, um, especially with all these great um, freshman quarterbacks coming in this year. I think it was a pretty good class. You know, we won't know until a couple of years, you know, right. how they really pan out. But I think there's a lot of guys um, to be really excited about. It seems like there's um, a lot of different people have uh, different favorites. So um, we'll all have to see how that turns out. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brandon. Um, everybody keep an eye out for his article dropping on Friday. It's at HayB3. That's H-A-Y-E-B-3 on Twitter. Uh, that's going to do it for us here tonight. As always, I'm Colin, and I will be back with you on uh, Tuesday. I believe Austin will be back at that point, too. We'll see if we can get him off of his yacht. <laughs> but uh, until next time, I'm Colin. And have a good one.